Welcome to the Keyforge Premier League podcast, where we will focus on the people of the community that are contributing to the growth of our sport. Get inside perspectives on the reasons they play Keyforge, what they think about the community, and various other sidebars and hijinks. Be sure to go to the website, www.keyforgepremierleague.com, to find everything you need to know to get started on your path to the top. Thank you again for tuning into the podcast. And if you have any inputs or requests, please reach out to us at keyforgepremierleague at gmail.com. And we will do our best to represent the demand of the player base. The Keyforge Premier League is by the community for the community. And welcome back to the Keyforge Premier League Weekly. This is Jupiter from Manliest New York, and I have with me my good friend. Hey guys, Jazz Score here. Yeah, so my co-host now, like not a friend anymore, just a co-host. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> is that an upgrade or a downgrade? I'm not sure. I, uh, I'm not saying. Not kidding. <laughs> nah, but uh, so what we decided to do is we're going to have a fun episode. Uh, we're going to do a series of top tens for each of the houses. Uh, it's been a while since I've done it. Drascore's never got to do it. So we're going to do that. But before we do that, we're going to do a quick SAS update um, since we had a SAS release right after our last show that we put out. So um, some cool new things things that kind of happened there and um, I'm gonna go ahead and let Draz like get into the ideas here and talk a little bit about it and then I'll, I'll come back with my pieces on it sure sure yeah so so yeah it was it was funny because right we dropped an episode all about SAS and then what was it like 48 hours later or something like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> updated the, the SAS score and, yeah. and changed things around a little bit yeah thanks Nathan yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it was funny, you know. It was on some of the forums, and people were like, "You got to throw out that episode now." <laughs> Not throw so, it out. No, 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 no. It's still all good. Really, I think it's just it's an enhancement. Right? Right. So they added the the meta score to the SAS score, which was previously on the site but not incorporated into SAS. Mm-hmm. Um, which in some ways is a nice little way to test the water, see how people are going to react to it before you go and actually incorporate it. Yeah, it was always his goal to do that, by the way. But um, mm-hmm. but he was just making sure it was working correctly the way he wanted mm-hmm. it to, as he always does. Because this is a very... Obviously, SAS is an opinionated uh, statistic, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. But it has good math behind it. He has a good system, and it, it's it's close to what you want to use to do any initial uh, evaluation of a deck and stuff. But uh, I think the coolest update that he actually did is that he made it even easier to see the the raw numbers of the deck right because he added mm-hmm. he added uh three new pip, like uh icons to the to the mix that i think are all very important so it's in, it's very cool that he did um one looks like a alien head or something like it's weird i don't know what it's supposed to be but like uh, basically it's to tell you if there's any scaling amber um, and what Scaling Amber is, is basically a, a card that basically, um, like too much to protect or interdimensional graft, um, that basically gains in power depending on how much Amber you have. Basically, like the more Amber you have in excess of whatever this thing is, it will bring it back down. Um, I guess I should just pull up the actual definition for it while uh, while we're here. But uh, he also added the, um, the board wipe. I think it's supposed to be a, a telescope, by the way. That was my thought, that it's a... It's a silhouette of a telescope. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I thought like telescoping, scaling. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I just maybe too maybe much. it's a scale. Yeah, that's a good idea. I guess. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. I guess I'm just not smart enough to think of it. <laughs> Anyhow, but uh, yeah. So like you have the the scaling amber and um, let's see. There should be a. 
I lied. Are you looking for a definition or something? I didn't realize there was a definition on the site. I just sort of figured it out by, by looking at the thing. <laughs> yeah, like he hasn't added it to the definition part yet. Okay. Mm. Well, um, scaling amber basically what, what is like what I, what I was talking about, though. It's like the idea is that uh, it's probably here somewhere, and I can never find what I'm looking for when I'm looking. That's why I always ask. But uh, the scaling amber idea is based on the idea, like I said, the more amber you have, the more value that the card has because it can do a bigger swing because it has its uh, ability inside of itself. Um, and examples are like interdimensional graft and too much to protect, etc. Um, and then he also added, like I said, the board wipe, which looks like a bridge or something like um, it's gateway like, to disc. Maybe it's a gateway. Yeah, I don't a, know. It, maybe it is the gateway to disc. Like it has the teeth and stuff. So um, mm. it's pretty cool. It's a boomerang. Um, with teeth. Yeah, yeah, boomerang. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> nah, I, I'm guessing it might be the gateway to Disa, but either way, it's a board wipe icon, so that's really cool. Um, because you know, like it, may, it just saves the time of you having to read through all the the words and seeing the uh, the thing. Um, and then he added uh, the third thing he added, which you won't see on everything, is the mutant logo. So now he tells you how many mutants there are. Um, right away, like so you don't have to sit Convenient. there and try to count them out. Yeah, it's all about convenience, right? And uh, like Nathan does a really, really good job of uh, updating his site and keeping it relevant. Um, like I said, statistics are only as good as the numbers that you used to make them. And he's spent so much time like honing these numbers and talking to people and, uh, you know, really thinking hard about the things he does. He doesn't do anything on a whim. So uh, anything that ever does get adjusted in SAS is usually still very relevant. And uh, it's always going to be the best. Well, I won't say always because, you know, somebody might come along and make something way better. But he's so far ahead of the game and so already into it and like he has it and he keeps it moving that uh, it would be really hard to think of anything just coming in and blowing somebody away and being like, oh, this is so much better. Um, so thank you to SAS for that. The update was pretty sweet. You got anything else on the update? Well, so so there are we've actually we've named three things, but only two of those things are in the Metascore, and there's three other things in the Metascore, right? So um, also in the Metascore, right? And if you actually hover on Meta, it says, "Yep, board clear. Yep, scroll, uh, scaling Ember." But also Ember control, creature control, and artifact control. So I think the the artifact control is is literally just do you have the presence of something that can that can blow up an artifact right it has to reach a certain threshold it's not just a, a like remote access or something i don't th I don't think that counts but if you can blow up or purge or or steal an artifact then yep hey in in today's meta right i think that's why it's the meta score right how your deck's going to match up against other decks mm -hmm. Artifact control is important. Being able to remove an artifact or steal an artifact is really important. So that gives you a little bump over just having, I don't know, triple remote access or something. I yep, I agree. Like so I then think, the I think I think, I think in artifact control you have two real types of artifact control. You have soft control and you have hard control. And what I mean by that is I believe that like you have cards like poltergeist and um, you know, um, the new untamed one, I can't think of right now. Reclaimed by nature. Reclaimed by nature, yeah. Like cards okay. like that. Those are the hard kill, like basically what we call hard kill kind of artifact controls where they go in and they like take out an artifact and remove it from the game at least for a bit um, or forever if you're playing the uh, reclaimed by nature. But um, like those are hard kills because they, they deal with the artifact, get rid of it, and you can't have the artifact anymore. And then you have soft like removal artifact type things like remote access that get it away for a turn or stuff like Gormo, not Gormo Gorm, that's hard kill, but um, the other one, the um, the top, what is it called? Oh, uh, 
yeah there's one that's um it's like you 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 reap with it and you basically return an artifact to the hand it's a oh thing. oh um uh, whispering reliquary yeah the risk the whispering reliquary that one mm -hmm. um I'm, I'm brain dead today uh, <laughs> so like um yeah so whispering reliquary that's another type of soft kill artifact so um yeah. Yeah. So you know, you want those those harder ones. That's going to make your deck better. So so it gives you an added boost, even on top of the regular arc score that you get off that artifact control. Yeah, artifact control. I think the hard kills are what get counted harder. Like obviously, mm -hmm. like in the meta mm -hmm. score, and then you still get like the point eights and the point fives for things like Nexus and all those other mm -hmm. ones. Sure. 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 So there's two others. Right, there's ember control and creature control, and I believe I was just sort of scanning around. I believe these are both zero or less. Uh, I didn't really see any positive scores on these. Right, so it's it's basically penalizing your decks for having a low count on uh, ember control and, and creature control. Idea being, you need some sort of minimum threshold, or else the deck starts to get significantly worse often enough that it should be penalized in the SAS score. Makes sense to me. Um, if you don't have enough of it, like you can never have too much of those, right? Like the more you have, the better, but you can definitely have not enough of it, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like, I don't know exactly like the math that he put into these numbers either yet, but uh, I'm sure they'll change in as they as they evolve. But yeah, I can see exactly like what you're talking about. Like, like an Inca, I have a negative two amber control because mm -hmm. I literally have 3.3 .3 amber control in Inca. So that's kind of, kind of crazy and low. Mm -hmm. So negative two, I think is probably the lowest it goes. Cause I know Inca is very, like I literally have three cards that have any amber control in Inca. Well, I feel like I've seen worse. You can't search on meta scores as, as far as I can tell, but um, I feel like I've seen a minus, I don't know, minus three or something, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe minus two is the lowest you can go. I mean, it's really easy. You just look up a zero amber control deck and see what it has. Ah, this is a thing we can do, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> now, I noticed uh, one of the ways I could tell that it's not, um, uh, it doesn't go positive is you can look at a deck with, with like a really high amber control. So I got a deck with 26 amber control, and uh, that does not get an amber control score. So the amber no. control for a zero amber control deck is a negative four. Oh, four. Wow. There you go. Yeah, that's the lowest. Yeah. I, I just looked yeah, it so up. <laughs> yeah, and you're going to have a hard time doing well with that deck unless it's got lights out something going on elsewhere. There are no zero creature control decks. Mm, mm. Yeah, there's so many creature control cards, it's hard to not have something. All right, so I went up to five. There are some of those. Let's go to four. We're doing the countdown here now. Oh, oh. What's the lowest? I'm going to guess the lowest is a two. Uh, there is twos. Let's see if there's okay. one. Is there any ones? There is a one, one. There's, there's one, 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 one. All right, hold on. What's the name of this deck? It's a 71 SAS. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is to... the Placid Alonzo of the Plane, and it is a negative three creature control. So I'm guessing that is the lowest. That you you, yeah. get, you get on that because there is it's a no point five. There's wow. nothing. There's nothing that's zero. Mm -hmm. So hey, it's got some good cards and discs over there. Maybe some we're going to talk about in a little bit. <laughs> so I'm, yeah. So I'm guessing that uh, 
like zero just doesn't exist at this point because if it was yeah. zero it would probably be negative four because i'm guessing it's a, a four to negative four type of scale that's like how he normally works but it could yeah. be it could be an adjustment score as well i don't know like maybe we need to bring Corey on Corey than on uh to give us a, a, a explanation a discussion about the uh, the sas stuff yeah you could tell us if it's a telescope or not right the, the important questions for the icons i'm, I'm gonna bet that it's not not okay i all right this one i'm pretty sure of. i'm pretty sure the mutant is the uh, uh the cephaloid it looks like a cephaloid to me what do you think i have to go look at it now yeah yeah uh, like you know the um four power untamed creature where uh you uh, can't, yeah after uh, ember stolen we have four or more ember i think it's that guy that's what it looks like to me yeah it's definitely a cephaloid i agree with that yeah uh, there you go there you go so so i don't know maybe 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 he's, 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 he's a he's a mutant so Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now I'm curious. Um, Actually, I, I, I know what I've. Hmm? The telescope thing is, is is irking me. I think if it looks like anything, cause all these are obviously Keyforge inspired. If anything, it looks like the the thing from uh, Logos, the cannon, like the. Uh, uh, yeah, the. You know the cannon. It comes into play in like uh, action. You do four damage to anything that shares a house with it. The mega, the group think tank or whatever. Oh, group think tank? Maybe, yeah. maybe. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Hmm. Not sure. Not sure. So, what have you been hearing about this? Like positive, negative, in the middle from folks on the forums and whatnot. What What have you been hearing? I've been hearing like most people aren't overly reacting to it, other than the people trying to like spike sales on the secondary market because now they have that <laughs> hit eighty. So they think they can yeah. get more money yeah. for the decks that have eighty something. So there you go. That's there it. I, I actually I think I've been hearing largely positive things. Yeah. Not like crazy positive, but like generally positive. People are people are happy with this. I, I mean, I'm and, happy uh, with anything he does because again, this is just the the beginning of your expedition, like into your decks, and um, all of my decks that I really like to play that I think that are good and stuff, they all went up. A bit so the meta actually mm-hmm. adjusted them into a proper place like my ganka decks are no longer just hiding in the 60s um like you know like mm-hmm. they're, they're starting to move up and stuff he, he, so he's finding ways to incorporate some of the combos and stuff with these meta like benefits that those combos would create so it definitely pumps up the uh you know, it helps the score a little bit more because now you're getting a more well-rounded deck with the metas too. Like if you have plus meta, right. your deck is more well-rounded. It's just a fact. Like uh, mm-hmm. no matter what level it's at, it's going to have a little bit more fluid gameplay for anything else that's at the same level of it, I think. And I think I've, I've seen that. Like I think that like uh, my decks that are the same kind of SAS that have low, like negative metas versus the ones that have positive metas, I think the positive metas actually do better against the lower metas. But... Again, that's a very, right. it's a very small sample size. Like, uh, I can't, sure. I, I'm not giving you math. I'm giving you opinion. Um, so um, that's what we're here for, right? <laughs> kind of, yeah. We want to put. Yeah, he'll give you the math, right? So we'll we'll give you the opinions. <laughs> yeah. I know one thing that made me happy, just made me smile a little bit, right? And mm-hmm. uh, it's all numbers; it doesn't really matter. But made me smile that there are a total of five decks that I bought for less than thirty dollars at some point in time 30 or less that are now in the 80s uh with with this uh with this meta score bump so i don't know i pat myself on the back a little bit for uh maybe picking out some stuff that that uh has, has moved up in the rankings so my, my, cool. ha- my happiest thing is that every deck that i had like i had 10 different decks that i had 
or like bought and were on being shipped to me or traded for mm-hmm. and were shipping to me but every deck that i traded for or bought recently has bumped up because of this update so that's nice there you go that was there cool. you go that, now interestingly you could probably compare this back to and i don't remember what version i don't know if it was, was it between like version three and four remember when everything dropped like the top decks were in the hundreds and like it dropped from like you know your deck dropped from 106 to like you know 85 and people were like i'm gonna burn my decks <laughs> my decks are no good anymore <laughs> because the number went down but it didn't really matter it's just all comparative all this right. went up Gonna, so people are happy. They're like, "Yay, my decks are better." I'm gonna, I'm gonna give well, you the same I'm, decks. I'm, I'm gonna give you some like uh, some Keyforge Zen here uh, in wisdom. Ooh, right? ooh. Your deck, your deck is exactly the same as it was before. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> Nothing has changed. I promise. True story. True but, story. Uh, that's the. the I just thing. remember people going nuts in the forums. Yeah. Like to the point. To the point where I was like, he should have just added thirty to the score. Yeah, don't just... It made people happy. I'm glad he didn't. But yeah. you know, we want to keep it reasonable. Like, uh, and yeah. like, uh, the thing is, is like, shocking update. Like I've said this before, but like, your deck hasn't changed at all. The deck is still exactly the same, whether it's being properly identified or not. Like, um, so that's the beauty of the game, I think, too. Um, for people like myself who like to play like like lots of things, I collect styles of decks and like some of the decks in my collection probably aren't the best like they're not something i would play competitively but i still Mm -hmm. love them they're very fun to have and quite honestly like any deck is competitive if you play adaptive right like because you're basically handing it to your opponent so Mm -hmm. like if their deck is that much better than yours you just outbid them and change you you take their deck with chains right like uh, that comes to a high like a high degree of like knowledge in like what you're looking at so but with all that said, we do have an episode goal, and we're going to get to it because we've been talking for a bit on SAS, so we're going to let this go. Um, but no, we, we didn't cancel the last episode because uh, not worth it, but here's your follow-up as you know, inputs and invites. Uh, great update, in my opinion. That's my, I agree. My overall, I agree. My overall opinion. So um, with that said, now uh, we're going to play this game. We're going to play that Dis House <laughs> game. Um, we're going to take a top, make a top 10 of cards that uh, are in Dis. So take a quick pause on the uh, podcast and uh, think of what would you put in as your top 10 for Dis. Me, Jackor, and the United Archons, we've all been talking about this for the last week and a half. Um, like a... Uh, I got sick, so we didn't do the podcast initially, and then my kid like basically wouldn't go to sleep yesterday. And by the time I got done, everything we were already off time. So here we are today, recording it finally. But uh, this is one that's been in the works for a while. Lots of discussion back and forth and stuff like this. So um, it's gonna be curious. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a top ten. So what, I, we're, what I'm gonna propose is to save time on on overlaps because there should be overlaps, right? Because the best cards are the best Theory. cards. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna start at ten. And we're going to work our way backwards to our number one. If um, I say a card that's on your list, you just mark it as talked about. And you can, mm-hmm. like, after I say it, you basically, I, I, like, I'll, if I go first, I'll say 10, my card. Then you'll say, oh, that was my number six or whatever. And then you just yep. would do your number 10. And then, like, total sense. We, we work backwards and see how long it takes for us to get to number one. And how many cards we have the same and how many cards we have different. I'll be taking notes on yours, mm-hmm. just so you know. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, I want to I want to see how, how, how our minds think. Um, so yeah. again, it's all subject to opinions. So and this has a lot of things. Like if, uh, like oh, this is hard. This was one of the hardest houses. That's why we did it first. Yeah. Um, because yeah. we expect to see some variety in in the list. So um, would you like to go first or second? 
Well, yeah, so we should we should specify something that we did say when we were uh, selecting the cards on the list, which mm. is uh, which is important. And we said it has to be about that card independently. It can't be, hey, this card is really good with this other card. No, no, no. has to be just that card. If you just had this card on your deck list, doesn't matter what else is in the deck, you're happier, right? So so maybe something you're looking for in sealed or something like that. Um, but but not you know trying to pick the deck with the right combo or anything like that. Yeah, right. So like if you're going, if you're basically going like, if you like in a lot of the car, and the thing is, is a lot of the things that do work together in synergy have a staple to the synergy, and the staple is like the the strong part of that. So that is a good chance that that card makes the list anyway. But um, yeah, but it's yeah, it, there is a good chance. But there are a couple cards that I put down on my short list and then it popped off the top out out above 10th place because part of the reason I like it there is because of what it pairs well with. So right. give um, me an example of a card that didn't make your list. Uh ooh, ooh we're we're, we're uh, jumping to stuff that didn't make my list. Okay, so um one hour I would... I just I just want you to give, let the uh, listeners understand your Sure, 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 sure. Okay, so now I got to remember. But um, <laughs> um, let's let's see. I think uh, I think. All right. So a really good card that I struggled with and didn't, but decided not to put on the list because there's a lot of other good cards is Hysteria. Mm. Reason being, it is really really good when you've got a bunch of discards with play effects that you want to put back out. But if I'm just getting a random a, a random uh, sealed pack, and I don't know what play effects I have in this. In that scenario, it didn't make my top ten. I uh, I agree with your your assessment on hysteria. Like uh, I agree that it's a great card at times, but it's also a really bad card at times. Um, mm-hmm. It's never a horrible card. Um, always no. has value, but um, yeah, like especially in this, like there's so many things. Like yeah, that definitely was. That's definitely a good example. So there you go. So now you understand the mindset. All right. So let's go. We'll get to talking now. Now we're gonna have the debate. So do you want to go first or second? Oh sure, 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 sure. I feel like do we need like a voice guy or something? Like number ten. <laughs> Would you like to go first or second? Uh, I will go. I will. I, I will cede the floor to you, sir. Okay. <laughs> So coming in at number 10 for me, <laughs> the fifth planet Keyforge is Life Ward. Um, mm. I put Life Ward at number 10 because it's an artifact, comes into play, it gives you an Amber Pip, so obviously already generating value there. And the effect that it has is an Omni effect that basically doesn't let your opponent play um, creatures for a whole turn. Um, so I thought that the power level of Life Ward is absolutely ridiculous when it's in its prime, and it's still very, very good even when it's not. So like uh, for me, it was a, a tough call because number 10 was the, one of the toughest spots to fill uh, because there's so many cards that could have gone there. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I give one of my, my honorable mentions. It was Essence Scale, and it was literally like a coin flip. But then I said Essence Scale is more of a combo-based card like we were talking about. So mm-hmm. it, fell off, it, it was one of mine that fell off the list because I think Life Word is just better in the vacuum of uh, a deck like if i'm looking at cards that i want i think life forward is a fantastic card absolutely amazing most of the time um like almost all the time actually like i think the card is ridiculous but that goes to say like the, the other nine cards the other nine cards on the uh, on my list are just as ridiculous so this is a pretty powerful house by the way so did you yeah. have life forward in your top 10 
I did not. I did not. But it was definitely one I seriously considered, right? Yeah. And because uh, uh, it is, it is good on its own. Um, it definitely gets better with something like the hysteria we just mentioned, or or one of the other board clears and whatnot that you have, where you can populate the board and your your opponent can't. Um, but it, even on its own, it can be it can be quite strong, and really force your opponent to to go into a house they don't want to go into as much, or just slow them down in general. So it, it's quite good. Yeah. All right. So that's my number ten. So Jurassic's number ten is number ten. <laughs> Um, my number 10 is Poltergeist. Oh, that was my number nine. <laughs> ah, there you go. All right. So Poltergeist, right, gives you an ember pick for playing it. It's an action card. Play, use an artifact controlled by any player as if it were yours and destroy that artifact. So it's, it's one of those hard artifact removals we mentioned before. One of the best ones out there. And, um, you know, it, there's a reason why in the meta score you, you get extra points for having one of these in your deck. Because it's just useful, right? There's so many good artifacts in the game now. And even even before the recent surge in artifacts, there were still a lot of good artifacts mm-hmm. in Coda and AOA. So it, it almost always found found good use. So it I think uh, Poltergeist is is something I had to had to just keep on my list at number ten. Yeah, I think it's a very powerful card and like it made number nine for me because I think it's just like too good not to give some respect to, right? So like when I had my last cluster of cards, like for the last, like anything above like six to me was hard, because like it was really like just picking what I like best. And uh, I think Poltergeist mm. just giving it a little bit of respect, nodding it to nine, was good enough for me as far as that goes. And I think it, you know, for me it was a little bit better than Life Ward. So, but with that said, what is your number nine? Since you've yes. already, you've already mentioned my number nine. Number nine. Number nine. My nine, number nine, nine was Infernus. Infernus, right. Infernus yes. did not make my list. Uh, uh, yeah, so so it was it was a tough tough haters, choice for me, right? So I don't know me. that I'm. What's that? So haters gonna hate me. Infernus is really good. Oh yeah, just didn't oh, make yeah. my list. Well, there's there's so many good ones, right? So it's a four power creature. Play purge up to two cards from a discard pile. Your opponent loses Ember equal to the number of Ember bonus icons on the purge cards. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a cool play effect, right? There's lots of chances in in Dis and in other houses for you to to bounce it or recur it, uh, and it's it's real good Ember control, right? You're gonna your opponent's gonna lose probably two Ember, uh, maybe more if they've if they've played uh, Virtuous Works or something, um, and uh, and or you can purge important cards out of their deck, right? Maybe it, maybe for, you forgo the Ember and you're like, hey, I just killed the two eddies in the deck that the guy's just going to keep cycling. I'm going to purge those two eddies. So it, it's, it's, it's a really, really good card. Um, I, you know, I did struggle with, with should I, or should I not put it on the list with a bunch of other stuff? Because I don't, I might be in a similar headspace as you, Jupiter. I don't think it's quite as good as some people make it out to be that. It's just, if you just have three or four of them, like you just, you're going to, your deck rules. I think you I think, need I other think, things. I, I, I do think they, they, they scale in power. That's what I was going to say on my comment. The reason mm-hmm. I didn't put them in is because one Infernus in my deck by itself um, seems like not as great as if I had three of them or four mm-hmm. of them in mm-hmm. a way to basically empower them and stuff. So like that's kind of why I didn't leave. I, they kind of fell off my list because like, I was just like, I don't think that just Infernus by itself as a one of is really as great as people like, make it out to be. It can be. 
but it's usually a react it's a reactor like a reacting type card like where it's like you're using it to basically stop something that's already happened to you um Mm -hmm. right and to basically get it out the loop but if you're playing in a competitive environment where um you're playing against the best of the best decks you're you're usually only going like six to ten turns right like and so the chance of you like scaling through your whole deck and finding one Infernus multiple times and having it be of good value and being at the right time that it comes to you is is you know like the card is great i'm not saying it's bad but like if you draw mm-hmm. it in your mm-hmm. opening hand how good is it like how good right. is it going to be for you right like uh it's a chain at that point so um, yeah that's kind of why I, I i i let it fall off my list but again there's like 30 awesome discards mm-hmm. so like yeah it's it's subject right so definitely that, that was my thought on inference yeah yeah and where i was going with the just having a lot of them doesn't necessarily make your deck great is i i definitely have seen some folks bring just a whole ton of infernuses but not much else and oh. i feel like it's a great thing to bring when you have other things that are your actual win condition and infernuses sort of prevent your opponent from from hitting theirs and then it can be real good when they when they're used as disruption Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. There's a theme there. No. <laughs> <laughs> disruption. Yeah, disruption. Hmm. Plus, I just think the art is cool. It's kind of yeah. like a kind of gross demon with like crazy energy coming out of him. Yeah, that's true. It's um, pretty cool. I'm pretty sure I'll get hate for not having it in my top ten, but that's okay. I don't mind. Oh yeah, you will. I'll take it. Don't even don't even worry about it. Yeah, Send your hate mail. Here's, here's another. Here's my number eight. Like since uh, it's my turn now to go again. My number eight will probably bring me hate for it being this. Number eight. For people for uh, people like uh, that love this card too, but uh, Eaton's Jar is my number eight. Mm-hmm. Did you have that on mm-hmm. your list? I did. I did. It was higher on my list. What number? Number three. Number three. number three. See, that's mm-hmm. that, that's where I, uh, that's where, like I know like some people really love this card, but uh, Eaton's Jar is an artifact play. Name a card until Ethan Jar leaves play. Cards with that name cannot be played. Reason why it slipped to number eight on my part, and then he can give you the why he's number three part. But the reason mm-hmm. it slipped to number eight on my part was because um, if a deck is well balanced but doesn't have repetitive cards, it loses a lot of value. Um, striking one card dead in a, in a, in a, in a well-rounded deck is not going to get you the kind of effects that like this card can. But at its highest point, Eaton's Jar just shuts down like efficient decks, right? Like the decks that play like four re- routine jobs, or if they play like two of a card in a deck or of a solid card, like two Captain Valjericos or whatever. So I'm not saying that the potential for this card isn't top-notch. Like when it's working at its very best, it's gross, right? Like it's just like almost every discard. But uh, like <laughs> this is so good. But like uh, I think that it, it does have limits to how good it can be and like how timely you draw it. Because again, if they get to their cards before you get to the jar, then they get to use those cards and then your jar is now looking for a secondary method, a secondary card to hit or to basically take out of the game. And maybe that's then not as effective as it would be. But like first turn plays, like this is probably one of the best cards in the game. <laughs> so yeah. like, don't get, uh, me, don't make, let me sleep, yeah. sleep, sleep on the number eight ranking. But uh, like if I had this, if you said that I was going to get Eaton's jar in my first hand, every time I play, I would, this would be number one, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like without a doubt. But um, like, like small factors. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, there there are quite a few cards on our list that are better or worse depending on when you get them, right? Some mm-hmm. of them you want to get early, some of them you want to get late. Um, um, yeah, it's particularly good when your opponent brings foreign furnaces, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so um, uh, yeah, you know, it, right. If they have a relatively um, 
you know unique card deck if you will right like not too many doubles mm -hmm. um it does lower its power uh, you know i think you can still you know in archon if you know your deck well you read their deck you can still sort of tease out okay what's going to be the biggest problem mm -hmm. for me and that's like a high skill thing mm -hmm. um sometimes it's going to be more obvious than others um i've definitely won or lost games based on my my pick on Eaton's Jar, where, <laughs> hey, I made the right pick and I, I won, and I made the wrong pick. And as we played through the game, I was like, oh, you know, I was too, I was too scared of the too much to protect. I should have instead targeted, um, you know, whatever else it was. Um, more, and more reps get you better results with that, right? So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It does, it does. Part of the tricky part there is because it's a lot of it's targeting your opponent's deck. So like... Sometimes you know. Sometimes you know. Oh, just take out Brig, <laughs> right? Take out interdimensional graft. Um, but uh, sometimes, sometimes it's much trickier, right? Sometimes, um, Genka, you know, Genka decks can run a different kind of line too, depending on mm -hmm. like what they're doing. Like if you have like uh, even split, like one generosity, one key abduction, like uh, what is the better value? Really, kind of depends on the creatures that Mars has, right? Like, because um, if the key abduction is getting a value by bringing things back and putting those creatures back out, like there could be a value there that mm -hmm. you know says take the key abduction. But like uh, Martian, Martian generosity is almost always better most of the yeah. time. But there are yeah. situations where key abduction might be the right call, or if they have double key abduction, like definitely the right call, right? Like it's the win condition. So mm -hmm. um, that's a tough call because Martian generosity is all the value, but the the key abduction is the win condition. So like if you take the win condition with the key abduction, like um, usually that's meaning that's like you saying, well, your Genka is only good because you get to key abduction. If you can't win with something else in your deck, then you just lose, right? And there are a lot of okay. Genka decks like that. So yeah, Eden Star, like I'm, I say, I'm not sleeping on it. Like I put it down here at eight only because mm -hmm. like everything above it, I just think are incredibly better. Yeah, I mean, not, like, eight, eight's still really good in this set of cards. <laughs> yeah. So what was your number eight? All right, my number eight. Number eight was EE -E on the fringes. Did it make my list? Uh, I do. I do love EE -E on the fringes, right? And maybe, maybe part of this is just I, I've pulled some good EE -E on the fringes, but, but I feel like it it can be so strong, right? So it's a just a one power creature. It's elusive, mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't matter. It's going to die um, <laughs> during your turn after you discard a dis card from your hand you may purge a discard from a discard pile if you do steal one which is real tough to read that one out loud so um it's quite discerning it, it is <laughs> it is it's discordant disturbing disgusting in fact so <laughs> that's the flavor text so um you know this is one of those cards where you know maybe the first time i played it uh, I, you know, I put it out, I like stole one or something and I was like, ah, I don't really want to, you know, I really like these other disc cards, but, um, but after you play it a few times, you realize, wait a second, in a lot of decks, you should just try to be building a handful of discs, play this out and then just purge all your disc stuff and just do a huge bursting steal. And especially as I was thinking about this format where it's like hey we're not constructing a deck or trying to pick a deck with the perfect combo of cards it's just you've got a random set of disc cards what do i want in there i want to eat on the fringes because if i'm playing sealed like i'm prop the rest of that disc house there's some good cards but there's also some probably pretty mediocre cards and 
I, if I can just purge them and go down to small number in house disc, steal five, uh, that's pretty awesome. So yeah. that's why I put E on the fringes on my list. So E E on the fringes was on the fringe with me as well. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I chose not to put it on the list because of the scale of how good to how bad it can be. Um, again, like it's too wide of a scale for me to like want to put it on my list because I think that the things that have the higher top end average are going to be better for me. So um, EA of the fringes is, is relevant on a couple of things, right? Like it's basically relevant on the idea of um, first off, like, do you have discards you want to purge, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. which means that you're playing that you have bad cards in your deck anyway. So that's kind of a downer for me. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, like, at least it makes them valuable. Um, also, one power creature, like you said, dies very, very regularly. Oh um, yeah, yeah. He's not going to make it to your next this turn. And uh, to make EA good, you have to have a lot of things fall in place for you. Um, and you have to have ways to archive. You have to have ways to like put those discards aside for when you really need them, like uh, when your opponent has the amber to steal so like uh, there's a lot of, there's just a couple of things that kind of made me go yeah i'm gonna knock him off of my my list because i have to um because it's this right like in any other mm-hmm. house he's probably top five like <laughs> he's really good but um like because of the situation uh, us saying that it was in a vacuum that's the only reason ea didn't make it because as you know one of my favorite mm-hmm. decks in the world is on our team it's daphne vega and it happens to have three ea uh, on the fringes and i just played in uh played it this week and you can check it out on the abr chronicles week number four versus krill mm-hmm. so um mm-hmm. i had like wonderful games with krill um it was really fun so um and uh he definitely put daphne to the test but uh, Daphne's my girl, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, one other thing to consider with E on the fringes is, is because Dis is really good, a lot of people are running Dis. So you've got a reasonable chance that you can purge your opponents right. instead of yours. And you can sort of pick and choose. Maybe you want to purge some of yours and some of your opponents. You can purge the best of your opponents, the worst of yours. It, it can be, so it gives you a lot of flexibility. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's decent. Like uh, I said, I'm no hate on the card on the pick. Um, I just didn't make my list because mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. I was trying to be more focused on the in the single card generation. But uh, all right, so yeah. I guess we move on to number seven. Then I guess I'll go first since uh, we you haven't uh, repeated me yet. Mm-hmm. Um, number seven, I have Exhum. Ah, uh, this is one amber. Um, Bring back a creature from your graveyard and put it into play. And it, basically, the play effect triggers again. Um, it brings back a body to the field. Like it's just amazing. So, where did Exum end up on your list? At number six. So very close. Number six. Okay. So I will let you go first on number six since I took your six. But um, or I guess I'll I'll just do six after whatever. But yeah. Anyway. We got it. We got. It. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. So Exum <laughs> is just like one of the best cards in AOA to me like it's really good it's like up there with like it's just under like the three big ones for me were uh Martian Generosity Punctuated Equilibrium and uh what was the other third card there's another card that I really loved and I, I just brain farted on it but anyway but Exhum is there like it's like right there with that third card whichever it was but it was another like card advantage type card that they have mm-hmm <laughs> But whatever, I can't think of it right now. I'll Chrome probably... buggy? I don't know. No, that's not a card advantage card. No, it's, it's it's a AOA I, card. I was I'm just not, thinking about AOA. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of of, of Grump Buggy. Eureka? Yet. I don't know. Eureka's good, but she it's kind of on the level of Exhum for me too. Um, okay, okay. 
I, I don't want to keep trying to guess because I'll, I'll eventually. I'll, Tell I'll, us about Exhum. What just make, What do you I'll, love it so much? I, I just told you, like, because <laughs> it brings back a creature. I get to play effect over again yeah. and stuff. Um, always an amber pip, no matter what. And, at mm-hmm. any point in the game, like you get, you can basically use it for cross housing. Like, um, like a good example of this would be in my deck that I have called uh, Haddenberg. Um, Haddenberg is a deck that has two Infernuses, two Rock Rubs, and you know, like this really sweet death set with one Exhum. And then in my Saurian set, I have a Compost, uh, Harrispo, whatever you call it. And um, so I like to play it like early in the in the game and like let them kill it. And then like when I go into Dis and I have all these Infernuses on the table that they don't want to kill and put back in for me to recycle and, and shuffle up again, I get to go Exhum. Reap, reap, like <laughs> take more, mm-hmm. take more value. So Exhum basically just empowers other creatures because of the ability to cross house. So that's why it hit number seven on my list. I'm pretty sure you've done that to me. Like you did that, I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was it was a sweet move. Yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty nasty. <laughs> now I'll well, obviously I put it on my list too, but maybe I'll try to play a little devil's advocate. So mm-hmm. so in a in a Right, this list we can't pick the other cards in the deck, so mm-hmm. so you can't pick, uh, you know, compost, right? Like, right, so right. so why would it be so high if maybe you just got average cards in the rest of your deck? Because there's play effects all through the game, and there's tons of creatures. There's plenty of targets for it, and at a worst case scenario, you get one amber pip and a creature back from the graveyard. I guess mm-hmm. in the worst case scenario is you play it turn one and mm-hmm. get one yeah. amber yeah, for get it. Yep. <laughs> get one amber for it. But like I'm saying, like you're always getting some kind of like like value out of it because all the creatures in the game do something. They're either big in their bodies and they're like you know they're doing evil things to you, or they're little and they're doing something dastardly. So that's how the creatures in the game work. So Exhum is almost always like a certain amount of value that I, I really like. I agree. I agree, right? Like, let's assume you're halfway through the game, so half your cards in the discard pile for, like, an average sealed deck, right? You're still going to have, like, a decent number of choices, right? Mm-hmm. You still might have nine or ten creatures to pick from, and even if none of them are, you know, Restaguntus or whatever, you're going to be able to say, oh, hey, you know, I need a Taunter right now, so I'm going to exhume that, or, mm-hmm. you know, I need a something that's... Uh, yeah, yeah, right? Like, I so almost no matter what's in your deck, you're going to find something useful to exhume. So, so I, guess that's some, I guess that's something I didn't highlight too, is that it, it gives you room for flexibility. Like it mm-hmm. lets you play your deck with more flexibility and more options, which is never a bad thing in Keyforge to be able to do multiple things. Like like you're saying, like uh, I had a game where I was playing and I put my Desania, I, I, it's, this is again from this week on the ABR with uh, with <laughs> Daphne, but she has uh, Desania and I knew that Desania was a big card against him because he had Eclectic Inquiry and he had a Mobius Squirrel. So mm. I, I, I had a, a, my first turn in my first game was pretty nuts where I was able to go like Edai, into an Igor, into um, a Tattoo of Vapors. Then my Tattoo of Vapors drew me a Desania. So I played my Desania. Then I had Code Monkey in my hand. And I'm looking at it going, hmm, I'm going to leave the Desania on the table. I'm going to archive the Edai to protect it for later and the Igor so I can draw more cards when I decide to pick up my archive and use it, right? So that mean, mm-hmm. and that was like a choice. I, it was not an easy choice because I thought about archiving the Desania outright, but being a four body, I was like, let it die because I know I have Exhum in, uh, in Dece and I, I don't need to worry about that. And I think protecting the Igor for more speed and the, and the Eddie technically more speed and, and the key tax was better in that situation. And then what happened was he ended up, did, he did kill the Desania and then he did play a, the 
cards to the archive and in that game like i was able to spike off of the desania off the exhume um so it was it was interesting so yeah yeah actually i played against a triple exhume deck in abr this week (laughs) and 80 87 sass triple exhume double ronnie it had at least one in furnace if not two yeah um uh, some theocenturians just tons of awesome stuff to exhume so those were those were some really really close matches yeah. with uh dr sheep oh so, yeah dr uh, sheep is an exhume junkie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> all right yeah, yeah, so, so so that was my number seven so what was your mm-hmm. number seven my number seven number seven Seven's was seven. lord invidious oh didn't make my list either mm, so lord <laughs> invidious um uh it's so hard right there's so many so lord invidious is uh you know it, one of the best you know, first turn plays, right? It, and um, um, pretty good. Yeah, he, he's he's real good. So what does he say here? He's a five power creature. He's a leader, right? So he's elusive for some reason. He's elusive. I don't know why he's elusive. <laughs> um, <laughs> just make just, him that much just better. To make him, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, while Lord Invius is in the center of your battle line, it gains reap, take control of an enemy flank creature, and exhaust it. While under your control, it belongs to House Dis. Now, I I put this on my list in part because, like, you play this card, it, it almost doesn't matter what your opponent is doing. They they have to react. Almost always, they have to react. And if you play this turn one, if you play this early, like you, they're they're just changing their turns all around, tr- trying to kill him. So there have been times where I've never actually been able to use the power, but I've messed with my opponent so much by just having this guy on the field that I've gained a significant advantage uh, and and can just you know overcome them because of that. So it's 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 pretty good. It's a pretty good card. Yeah, it, I agree that it is a pretty good card. Um, the reason he didn't make my list is because he kind of fell like off my list kind of like Essence Scale did because I think they kind of go hand in hand to how well they can be at their top at their top of their game. Um, mm-hmm. I think Lord Invidious is probably just under, like, it's the power behind the enabling of the scale. So, like, I don't know. I, I didn't know where to go with those two. But, uh, yeah. like, together, they're absolutely gross. Um, but since we were doing in a vacuum kind of thing, I, I think that's sure. why he fell down my list. But Lord Invidious is definitely, like, one of the best early plays in the, in the game. Um, when you can keep him centered, he's absolutely disgusting. When you play him with a scale, he's even worse. Um, because he literally is just going to keep eating other people's things. Um, yeah, like, I got Damn. no, I got no qualms with that pick either. Like, there's so many good cards in this. Like, I, I figured this would happen, but. Yep. This... yep. Yeah, and, and I might be a little partial to him because I pulled uh, specifically in in Worlds Collide a few good Lord Invidious decks. Nothing like absolutely crazy, but like decks that are real fun to play. So that was before Essence Scale. Yeah. So it, I just have enjoyed playing those decks yeah essence scale um, i've seen people with yeah. like triple essence scale like lord invidious decks it's like re- just retarded yeah, like it's, it's like just silly. Bad. so bad all right mm-hmm. so um all right so your number six was exhume so like mm-hmm. uh i guess i'll go ahead and share my number six with you mm-hmm. and my number six was ember imp oh my second, <sighs> my second, yeah. my second favorite imp in the game. Um, uh-huh. I will uh-huh. tell you my other at number four. <laughs> okay. But, uh, okay. But uh, but uh, the 
Everimp is my number six. Did you have him on your list? I, I did not. And Ooh. that was, it was tough, you know, so, um, you like it, the big boy. There's, there's two cards that in, this is one of them. There's two cards that after I was like, I can't stop. I, I can't keep touching my list. I have to stop. There's two <laughs> cards. I'm like, Jupiter's going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> nope. Nope. This is one of them. This is one of them. Um, and a part of the reason it fell on my list is I think it it is very good, but a little bit of support helps it a lot. And if I mm-hmm. if I don't know I have a shadow self or I don't know I've got a taunt, um, then it's it's not as good as I think some some of the other ones on the list. But with the right support, it's it's amazing. The reason why Ember Imp is at this point on my list at number six is because when you play ember imp you completely change your opponent's turn for the most part they have to come after your ember imp so you can use it to mm-hmm. control your opponent's flow of play um when you have multiple ember imps it just gets disgusting and then when you have an arise on top of that it gets even worse so uh i just love ember imp he's always been one of my favorite imps um this one is kind of like what you in your lord invidious uh ember imp is like you know up there like uh the imp that i had the hardest problem not getting on my list was dust imp uh mm, mm-hmm. he's one of my favorite imps as well but i, I yeah. love the imps the imps are absolutely amazing um but uh ember imp was the one that i thought would be the first one that i could crack into my like my list um because one of them was like a shoe win like that's the one i'll have at number four but um mm-hmm. I, I, I i can't i can't imagine you wouldn't have the one at number four on on your list but i could be wrong we that's, shall see that's the beauty of it right so that we was my see. so that was my number six the little guy ember imp and stuff like that so i guess we moved to number five so i'll let you lead off on five since you didn't get to play six sure sure so number five, five, five so five. i had at number five grim reminder Ooh. yes yes so um grim reminder so it's an action card play choose a house archive each creature of that house from your discard pile gain one chain and um you know i picked grim reminder because just getting a whole bunch of extra creatures in your archive and being able to to play them out at the right time can be you know really strong really really good and um uh, certainly if you have excellent play effects it can be even better or, or you've got ways to take special advantage of what's in your archives it can be extra good but uh, you know there's so many you know so many times where it's where i have a deck and that grim reminder can just be a great closer for 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 what else as i got you know play my board wipe or not just flood the board and uh, get a lot of great value from it at the appropriate time for the sake of future discussion, mm. is it the best card for its ability? Is it the best card for its ability? Like comparing it to like a rise or exume? Is that what you're talking about? I won't. I I won't say a rise during grave or <laughs> yeah yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like did it uh-huh. ma- did it make the list above these cards? We shall see. We yeah. shall see, shall we? Okay, well, I'm not going to talk too much about Grim Reminder because I think it basically is a, a weaker version of Arise. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and, uh, okay. I, I really like Arise too, but... Uh... I, I want to see if it's on your list. But uh, yeah, so like Grim Reminder is, is a pretty fantastic card. Um, it definitely is really good in Mass Mutations. I will say that it does support the idea of putting cards into your archive. Um, as you know, I have Daniela and Grim Reminder brings back all my Saurian critters so that I can bring them out with Amber Lucian. It's a wonderful card 
combination and uh, it gets stronger because of things like that. But um, all by itself, it still is great value because you get to put those cards aside and put them into your archive and then like feed different aspects of the game because of that. So um, I have no hate for Grim Reminder either. I think it's a wonderful card, very powerful. One of the better cards in Mass Mutations, in my opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right. So my number five was Restrict the Gundus. Uh, Restrict mm-hmm. the Gundus is just one of the best probability cards in the game like uh, when you can play your restrict aguntus and get super value out of your restrict aguntus you win like um it's a it's an i win button when it's played at the right time so um it has support in win ratios it has support in just when you play with it and you time it correctly um very high skill cap for restrict aguntus i think um most of the time uh, sometimes you just have like that nut kind of deck where you have shadow selves and like all these other things that protect it but you could still win with restrict aguntus just by timing it well and playing it at the at the point where your opponent is vulnerable so um you can basically take them off of a whole house once they go through most of their deck and you know the, that they have no way to get rid of it etc so restrict aguntus is my number five as it is one of my favorite these creatures there's, yeah, only, there's only one creature above it. It's really good. Yeah, Restragantis is a really, really good card. Did um, it make your list? It did not. And that was the other card that I was like, oh man, Jupiter's probably giving me a hard time on this one. Nope. So, so why didn't it? Right? Because um, it's too small for you. You obviously <laughs> like the big guys, except for EA. He's the only one that made your made your list. He's a one, but he it doesn't matter if he dies, right? So right. so use him one turn and you're done, right? So right. so yeah, I guess. Um, in my mind, he's still really good, but in a random deck, he's been getting a little worse over time because you've got um, things like Fangtooth Cavern, right? Which just take him out. No, 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 um, no. Now you're assuming there's cards in the deck. That is against uh, the rules. <laughs> it's true. Oh, oh, oh so, so I, I'm talking broadly. So I'm going to oh, okay. list off a few different things, right? Yeah. So Fangtooth Cavern, right? There, mm-hmm. there, there's one thing, right? Not, not in my deck, but in my opponent's deck, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And then in Mass Mutation, just all those random damage pips means yeah. um, I, I I may not even be able to tell what house I want to lock you out of in order to protect him um, because I can't necessarily see where those damage pips are on the Archon card. So um, it's way easier. And if I have a random deck, it's harder for me to protect him. It's a lot easier for my opponent to take him out. Yeah. That was that was my logic. Still, really, really good card. Um, you know, maybe I should have kicked out some of these other ones instead, but uh, that's yeah. that's why I that's why I did what I did. I'm good. I'm good with it. Like I, I like your explanations, and I, I think he has gotten a little bit like less good because of damage pips and things like that. But the problem is, is that there's only one set that has damage pips like that, like that you can't uh, that you don't know about. So like. Um, and it's, it'll be curious once organized play actually starts back up, like the bigger events and stuff, what how they're going to rule the damage pip distribution on cards. I think it's only fair that you should know where they go. I don't think having a random element like that without ha- having to tell your opponent where they are is a, is a, a very sportsman type of thing. Like um, I don't I don't think that's conducive to tactical play. I think that's conducive to more like getting lucky or having a, uh, a an advantage like almost like a, a slight cheat right like not to make it dirty but so hopefully the, the, like they'll have open lists and you'll have to disclose uh, your pips yeah i mean for better or worse that's how they that's how they built the archon card so i i would actually be surprised if they did that 
And, and it's the same, right? You both have the same advantage slash disadvantage. Now, maybe the person who's bringing a mass mutation deck has an advantage, I suppose. But, right, um, like there's three other sets and there's going to be all the yeah. other sets that go with it. It's the only set that's going to have something like this that we know of at this point, right? They might come back and yeah. do it again. Well, I, th- I think they, I feel like I remember them saying there would be enhancements in the future, just not nearly as many. Okay, Um see. Yeah, we'll I'm, see. We'll I'm, see. Being, I'm being pet by my cat. Hi. There we so, go. All right. So he he likes restricted Guntus, I guess. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's because there's string in it, but that's why. Ah, uh, clearly, <laughs> clearly, yes. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, so all right. So that was my number five. Um, so you got to go. I you got to go first. So keep going first until we until we cross paths again. So you're number right, four. Right. Number four. Key to dis. Dun dun dun. That was my number yeah. three. Ooh, okay, very close on this one. So it is an artifact. It is Omni Effect. Sacrifice key to dis. Destroy each creature. So basically, no chains. Blow everything up. Put it out and wait for the moment that you want to blow it up. Right? If your opponent has my number 10, Poltergeist, they can't can't really take it out without still blowing up the board. So um, there's, there's a lot a lot to like about this card. Board wipes are so strong, and uh, this this one you can really wait till the right moment. You don't have to discard it uh, like you do a lot of the other board wipes sometimes. So it's 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 pretty good. You don't have to discard it, right? Exactly. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. So I had it at number three. So obviously, I, I know that I agree with you on the PowerPoint of it. Um, it is the best of its type. Um, I think it is a little bit better than gateway to disc even though gateway to disc is probably you know just as good like but the three chains is a bit offsetting versus the uh the vulnerability of being an artifact and being on the board um so i think that uh for the most part i think key to disc is the best board wipe period um so Pretty with that good. said uh, i got nothing else really to go with um as far as uh shocking details there so um if you're good, I'll go ahead and share my last creature on my list. Go for four. it. And I already told you it was an imp, and it is Shaffles. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The the wonder imp. Um, I'm going to guess he's not on your list because he's not big. He's not. He's not. And he didn't fight for it quite as much as the some of the other creatures we just mentioned. Interesting, because uh, Shaffles is one of the most oppressive uh, imps in the game, um, mm-hmm. especially when he gets brought back multiple times, uh, obviously, because that's kind of what this does. But... Um, shaffles is just like timely good and like he's always worth one amber so it's basically like playing a creature with amber um and then if not dealt with instantly if like you don't go and get rid of him like you basically distracting your opponent making him have to go after shaffles shaffles will make you pay for him again and uh basically it's just a, a little mana like you know a little mana battery to use a magic term but uh he's an amber um hoarder that uh, if not dealt with in a proper way or in a timely way, he can be very, very disrupting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just blow up your opponent's your opponent's ember, right? So uh, it's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, so that's um, why that's why I had him at number four. Yeah, I mean he's good. Um, I didn't consider him quite as long as some of those other uh, those other guys. I, I think I think Ember Imp is more disruptive on average. Same, same with uh, Restiguntus. In my opinion, uh, it might also be that I and I just double checked. I don't really have any good decks that have shaffles in it, so maybe I just haven't, um, you know, used him that much. 
uh, and really seen seen him in all his glory. Uh, I'm definitely happy to see it in my deck, but uh, it's not one that I'm normally like, "Ooh, do I have it?" So the logic the logic behind shuffles and why it was higher than restricted gun distant ember imp is because it directly affects the win condition of the game. Um, does the other two are disruptive to it and like they basically you know throw you off of your path and stuff like that but shuffles is actually taking amber from you um is urchin good urchin's very good okay so shuffles is a two-point urchin that doesn't have elusive is any is roddy uh, good uh, yeah. uh, yes 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 but and shuffles he keeps doing gets it. rid of uh so so i right, i think i think you that... like the steel effect better I do. I like to steal, but I think if you because because a delta of two instead of one, right, 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 that, right, right, that's right. The difference. Now I think if you compare it to Ember Imp, and you say, okay, let's assume it sticks for more than one turn, right? Because because you mentioned it can do it again and again. If both of them stick for more than one turn, which one is going to harm your opponent for more Ember? I think Shaft. I think it's going to be Ember Imp. Nope, shuffles I think... by a lot because it's always taking Ember from them. And Ember Imp isn't necessarily... Cr- when you play Ember Imp, you're not necessarily stopping your opponent from doing anything until they have a third card to play. Which, I think, if you're only playing two cards at a time, you're you're in a bad spot. Yeah. And I think you're 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 not doing nearly as much as you, you can and should be doing. I think I think on average you're you're probably doing more damage by preventing them to from playing all those juicy cards, than uh, than than pinging the one, the, right. the one ember. I mean, you're, you're you're picking your fight, but my fight, I guess, I could pick back is saying, well, I have two keys and six ember. Which one do you want? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, okay, yes, there are definitely that like, scenario. Uh, clear uh, answer. Clear answer. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like anybody can make yes. a perfect perfect storm. It's true. This yeah. is true. Ember ember, true. ember ember imp does die quite easily. Shuffles is a little bit trickier. Um, shuffles steals like like takes away part of your win condition like right away and the longer you leave him there the the more he's going to keep taking and the more that he's reoccurred is more ember that you're getting every time he's reoccurred so that's why shuffles is there and like i said like um creature wise and desic you could have went a thousand ways there's so many sure. good like dust imp was really on my list of mine too but i'm like and eh, i'm just gonna pick two of the imps like that's it restricted guns was a no-brainer like had to make my list but mm-hmm, um mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. most of the spell and artifact effects of this i think are just better like and i still didn't like i didn't put like library of the damned or like last yeah. dreams like all these yeah. things were like on my mind but like it literally came down to like i don't want to have like all the artifacts on the list either so like i went with the best of the artifacts which i thought were key of death eaton's jar and life word so etc but mm-hmm. so many things to think about in that and in this and quite honestly like we want to know the feedback from you guys so if you think our list is whack let us know like let us know what what's your top 10 like how do you look at it and um this is a hard house so good luck um we'd like to see some ideas and thoughts if you disagree with anything that we've said here so yeah, yeah. Um, and most importantly you guys should tell us that my picks were better than Jupiter's. I think that's that's important. Yeah, it wouldn't bother me either way. <laughs> if, it ma- if it makes him feel good, go ahead and do that. There you we go. All, we, all there know, you go. we all know who has the right pick. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, oh, so, so speaking of getting other folks' opinions, I did ask my 12-year-old mm-hmm. uh, what was her... I said favorite. I didn't necessarily say best. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't know all the cards and whatnot, but hey, what's your favorite discard and uh she right away went with lash of broken dreams so um, i'm basically her only opponent 
occasionally the nine-year-old my, my nine-year-old play with her but uh she just likes making my keys really expensive i think is what uh what that means and on a side note i'm going to uh bring up the fact that there was a display of the of the week on on youtube if you haven't seen it or maybe it was twitch i don't remember but uh mm. john claude was playing with his daughter and if you haven't seen this you have to go find it john claude if you listen to this or if anybody on repot listens to this have him post it again um but he was playing his daughter and she was very excited because they were playing sealed deck i guess mm-hmm. and um basically what happened was she opened a floomph which is her mm-hmm. favorite card and she was mm-hmm. so excited that it was in her deck <laughs> and then john claude plays and um inspector and exiles the flume from her hand oh. and she literally cried about it like it was oh. so sad like so but oh. it was it was a hard lesson but a, a fair one good dadding hard hard lesson in life sometimes inspector happens and just and just for the record for all you dads if you ever do that to one of your kids the right answer is to say well now it's exiled so you can look at it the rest of the game and you don't have to put it in your deck that's, that's, you the, head, that's, that's the heads wise. up to stop the tears yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I Smooth. felt so, I felt so bad for her. Like, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I've done that to my son so many times. Like we, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. plays uh, B Parmesan, and like he loves his stupid uh, time traveler for good reason. So anytime I can mm-hmm. destroy it and get it out of the game, it's a great feeling for me and a very sad one for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a ruthless dad. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Keyforge is is a great game to play with kids you know kind of sort of ruthlessly because you can just load up on chains for yourself yeah and then like try hard to overcome it and yeah. like you're still giving yourself a challenge mm-hmm. even though the kids you know not playing super optimally like you you can still like exercise your brain and stuff so I, I think it's a great game to play with kids i do too and if you have kids and you are wanting to get into keyforge and you don't have decks pm me i will send you a kit doing that there for somebody go. i'm doing that th- th- doing that for somebody on facebook already um so i have a christmas kit going out to him and his twins so look for it it's coming soon so anyhow so with that said that was my number what were we at number four. Oh yeah yeah so, so, so we're moving back <laughs> shafels we're talking about shafels i don't know which one was that shafels. your three that or four, four or what was it it's number four so okay. um my number three was key to disc which was your number four so um mm-hmm. you kind of trumped me on that so what is your number three well, number three was my Eaton's Jar, right? So we, we mentioned oh, that yeah, before. Right. Yes, yes. So we have to move on to number two. So Eaton's Jar, number four, or three. So number two, um, with the bullet, was for you. Mark of Dis. Mark of Dis. I'm yes. baffled by your choice. Are you, sir? Yeah. Are you? I am. All right. So Mark not, of Dis. Not, not unless you said Mark of Dis at number two and Control the Week at number one. but We shall see. We <laughs> shall see. So uh, Mark of Dis gives you an ember and a play effect. Deal two damage to a creature. If it is not destroyed, its controller must choose that creature's house as their active house on their next turn. So you know, just being able to force somebody into a, a house can be such a such a strong move. Right. And um, it's not too hard to set up a scenario where you can ping that other creature that uh, that that you know ping that creature where it's not dead, and then you attack into it and kill it, and your opponent can do very little on their next turn, and uh, that can be such a huge advantage. And uh, so, so, so yeah, I had to pick Mark of Dis as my number two, and, and shh, don't talk about my number one yet. 
Well, Mark of, Mark of Dis is pretty outstanding. Like, I don't I have no doubt with it, but I have at number two Arise. And I'm guessing mm-hmm. Arise didn't make your list. No, I put Grim Reminder on and not Arise. Okay, so let's have this discussion now. So Arise comes into play, basically brings all the creatures that you want out of a house back to your hand uh, for recursion value, right? So, like, the idea here for me is that it's always going to have, like exponential value like i can understand the argument for grim reminder basically by putting things into your archive because that means you don't have to use them right away you can put them on hold mm-hmm. but with mm-hmm. the and with the rise basically to do that you have to chain yourself prefer one for the arise but you do and but, you telegraph a little bit what you're what you're playing next turn right well or you just go back into dis and reload so you get Maybe. to basically clear the board with all your disc stuff, and then you get to reload this board and win. Because, like, when I go, oh, look, I have two Ember Imps, I'll fight them into your creatures. Oh, right. look, I have Restrictor Guntus, you know, and I'll reap with all my creatures. Oh, look, I'll hit a gateway or a key to disc. Oh, look, I'm going to bring all those disc creatures back now, the Shaffles and the uh, Shulers and the uh, all the crazy value creatures that disc has, right, which is plentiful. Um, and play them right back into the game so i just i i just think that it's a little bit better than archiving the card myself mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. um i mean gateway arise i agree <laughs> right i'm just saying but uh but yeah you gotta have the, that even fighting the creatures into like disc creatures into other into other creatures and stuff like there's so many ways that arise finds value that like i had to it's like easily my my number two um for that like i don't even think that like my one two three i i don't think i could even budge on uh mm. quite honestly but uh, so for number one, um, I'm assuming we both have control of the week. We do. Uh, we do. It is. Nah, I'll just I'll leave off control of the week and have Mark of Distant number two. What do you think? <laughs> I, I would be very, 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 very sad. Very confused, probably. Very, yeah. very, very sad. Control of the week. Okay. Control of the week is number one for uh, sure. For sure. Yeah. So we, we know what kind of player you are. Um, <laughs> but Control of the Week, one Amber, uh, get to uh, dictate to your opponent what they have to do. That's huge. Um, best card in the game. I will mm-hmm. arguably say that, like a uh, very debatable, I guess, to some degree. But to me, I think that no holds barred, like uh, in a, in a, any any kind of vacuum or any kind of situation where, like, uh, there's not something specific. I think that control of the week is always going to have a higher uh, average value than things, even like lateral shift. Even though lateral shift is amazing, like um, I think overall the value of control of the week is still better. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good, and I. I... I don't have a lateral shift deck, so I haven't messed around with it to enough to to form a strong opinion as to which is better there. But uh, control of the week is definitely in in high contention for for the best card in the game. Yeah, like I said, like um... despite the mediocre artwork, which we discussed uh, on a previous episode. Yeah, it's <laughs> not horrible. It's just kind of bogus because it's, it's all a right. Niffle ape that's turned purple. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We did just do a, a set of um, Burn in the Stockpiles where uh, it will be coming out soon. I have to edit, finish editing it and stuff. But uh, we did team logos and stuff. And there was one team logo that had a hidden control of the week. That was really cool. So um, mm-hmm. it was neat. It was like at the base of an orb of Invidious. Um, so it was some like da- Dementia Demons or something. I can't remember the name. But um yeah, so look forward for that episode, too. It should be out soon. It's going to take a while to edit because I don't want it to be bad because it is about people's logos and stuff. So Because it's about mm, the, mm-hmm. the community, I'm taking my time with it. Um, and I've had so many other things I've been doing as far as videos go. So, 
Um, cool. With that said, um, the league is ending. It is ending on Sunday at 3.30. We will have a live stream of Kiwi versus Dammit. 96. Um, that is the final game of the KFPL. The uh, winner nice. takes home the title. And uh, we've already played the three and four game. Um, so this is breaking news for you guys. And the person who won between Fierza and Uluk won brilliantly. Awesome game. Check it out when it hits YouTube. <laughs> cool. Cool, cool, cool. No spoilers here. <laughs> <laughs> but All right, so i got to ask you a question. Okay, go for it. So we, so we talked about the best cards in Dis. What is the worst card in Dis? Uh, Wretched Doll. Not even close. Okay. Okay. I had the same one. <laughs> <laughs> Wretched Doll. Now, I have a different least favorite card in Dis. Okay. Uh, my least favorite card is Gold Key Imp. And uh, yeah, I feel like it just... There's, there's a lot of matchups where it just sorts of lead to a deadlock situation where you don't want to kill it and your opponent doesn't want to kill it and it, it just sort of leads to like a to time situation um and uh i just i'm fine with the other key imps I, I don't like the gold key imp so that is that's my least favorite discard interesting um if i had to think about my least favorite discard it would probably be the banes like i don't like the banes like very often like the sign yeah. banes and all those bane cards um and it's not because they don't have value like i think they they still have better value than the wretched doll but uh mm-hmm. um, they got an ember they got an ember amp. like they get yeah. an ember out of them that's that's good enough right but like uh overall i just don't like the theme of that like because it's so selective in what it's trying to do that like um it rarely like i guess scientists bane is really good because of the amount of logos and like demons bane would be really good yeah, I'd take Demon's Bane, like, cause, cause, you know, you're you're likely enough to get a Harbinger of Doom. That, I don't know. That that can but be overall, useful. I don't like the theme yeah. of the card. Like, I don't like the way yeah. it works because there's multiples of it, so therefore you don't always even have the right one. So. I agree. Um, I agree. So yeah. always nice. feels like you have the wrong one. In fact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty true. Daphne Vega has one. It has a science Bane, scientist Bane, and it seems to mm. be okay. Because Logos is very scientific. Yes, lots of people bring uh, bring logos. So, but anyhow, um, so that's the episode for this week. Hope you had fun. Um, let us know what yeah. your top ten was. So, in a, in a quick recap, my top ten was ten Life Ward, nine Poltergeist, eight Ethan's Jar, seven uh, Exhum, six Ember Imp, five Restragantis, four Shaffles, three Key to Dis, two Arise, one Control of the Week, and I'll let Draskor run his down. All right, top to bottom, we got Poltergeist, Infernus, EE on the fringes, Lord Invidious, Exhum, Grim Reminder, Ketodis, Eaton's Jar, Mark of Dis, and Control the Weak. All right, so that will do it for our uh, for our show to this week, and tune in to us next week when we come back and do a similar thing, and we're going to talk about the House Logos. Oh, okay. I was I didn't know, so I was I was waiting. I was like, what is it gonna be? It's gonna be logos. <laughs> all right, all right, I'm gonna go for the the other house that has a billion things that are great. I know, right? Right. <laughs> all right. At so some that... point we gotta do uh Brobnar, you know, so <laughs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> yep. All right then. So this is uh Jupiter from Manlius Newark saying keep forging and I'll catch you on the flip side. And this is Drascor. Happy forging everyone.
Thank you for tuning into the podcast. And if you'd like to be part of the conversation, reach out to us at KeyForgePremierLeague at gmail.com and join the show. Without you, we couldn't be us. Check out www.KeyForgePremierLeague.com for links to all our content, including learn to play videos and critique on gameplays. No matter what your level is, you are always welcome. Be a part of it. The KeyForge Premier League. Get there.